What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero, and with me, as always, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Same old, same old. Off season. Not a ton going on except for this week. This is like the one week over the next month and a half. Well, I guess a couple weeks plus another month from now that there's actually stuff going on. There's actual news. 49ers related. Niners bump up minicamp to this week. Uh, that's given us a flurry of news, which is fantastic. But once we kind of get through this week, every con- every uh, Niners content creator is kind of like, all right, this is when it gets real dry and you got to get really creative with what you come up with to keep people interested. Uh, yeah, this is going to become the uh, pull the rabbit out of the hat, rehash some kind of controversial story to try to get some clicks because it is, you know, the, the middle of June through the middle of July is just nothing. Everybody waiting on training camp. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We're going to have plenty of creative ideas. We're going to have some more interviews for you coming up. Uh, I actually am sneaking in a vacation, believe it or not. It actually starts next week on Thursday. So that's going to be fun. So I'm not going to talk to you for a little while. I mean, that's going to be like the most enjoyable part of the vacation it's going to be a lot of fun i'm going to take some time off you know i just did the 200th episode of 49ers in five this week so uh yeah i could use a little rest nice pat on the back but i will say getting back to you know the important stuff uh the niners probably have the most storylines in the nfl still going because you still have the jimmy you still have the debo you have the boza like you still got a lot of big stories that could drop at any time. And we kind of got updates on all of those uh, yesterday. So we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast network. I say it over and over again. If you read it, uh, if you leave it, I will take the time to read it. Which brings me to this from Mark NSD. Five-star review, subject, good pod. I appreciate the amount of content this network provides, but a Monday show would be nice. It's headlined by fat-voiced baby cone Rob Stats Guerrera, who co-hosts my two favorite shows on the network, Gold Standard being my favorite, Levine, I assume he means you, or he or she means you, Levine is an oxymoron, being a wet blanket with a dry sense of humor. I like that, actually. Uh, Michelle Maju provides great analysis and deeply researched stats. Keep up the good work all. You are a walking contradiction. I like that very much. <laughs> That's all I hear in life. I just I just had a coworker, kind of sort of pseudo boss, not really, um, tell me that he went to North Dakota for work because we have we have things in North Dakota, and he had to go out there to do some training. And he came back and said that uh, he saw North Dakota, and uh, he didn't find any more Levens because I am one of a kind. And what he's getting at is my personality is very uh, unique to me. I don't fit any boxes. I kind of jump all over the place. Unique is certainly one word for it. Probably not the one word I would use, but nonetheless, I digress. Um, (laughs) I'm a crumrudgeon or whatever that word is that I can't say right now (laughs) who happens to like to talk a lot. It's it's kind of another contradiction. That's what I'm all about. I'm like very strong on all all sides they don't have the middle ground 
Yeah, you're like some sort of terrible unicorn. Um, (laughs) We were going to start with some of the news from 49ers training camp, but we actually have to start with some Rams news, believe it or not, because it directly affects the 49ers. Cooper Cup got the bag on Wednesday. Unbelievable contract. Three years, $80 million, $75 million guaranteed. That tops the Tyreek Hill deal with the Miami Dolphins. And the reason, Levin, that it directly affects the 49ers is because even though Debo has shown up to mandatory minicamp, they still do not have a deal. So I put it to you. Does this Cooper Cup deal make Debo Samuel more expensive or does it not affect the contract at all? Kind of both. I don't think Debo's demands go up at all. I just think he has a stronger footing to dig in and not budge. This hurts the 49ers, but it doesn't change, I think, what the ultimate contract would have been. I think the ultimate contract is going to be right around A.J. Brown, but barely one-up him, and that's what it should be. I don't think this changes that because Debo has no justification for going to the table and saying, oh, you need to pay me what Cooper Cup got because Cooper Cup is coming off arguably the best season ever for a wide receiver. So he can't argue, pay me what Cooper Cup got. But Cooper Cup didn't get a ton more than A.J. Brown in terms of average per year. So there's like a happy medium in there, just over 25, but below the, what would that be, 27.6 that Cooper just got on this extension because it's three years, 80 million in terms of the extension. So I, I feel like it just gives Debo a stronger footing to say, see, I've been right the whole time. Stop wasting our time and let's get this done. I feel like that is the logical approach. That's the approach that I feel like the agent might take and the 49ers, like that's what their dialogue will be centered around. But I also feel like there's an emotional component to this, kind of like what happened with the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill, right? They were negotiating a deal and they were thought to be close to working it out. And then what happened? Devontae Adams got his new deal. And all of a sudden, Tyreek Hill was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is not going to fly anymore. And then the Chiefs were like, tough. We're not going any higher. And lo and behold, Tyreek Hill gets traded to Miami. I think that Debo is going to be like, look, I don't care about all that. This guy just got paid. The way it works is when your contract is up and you get paid, you get more than the last guy. I could see Debo going to his agent and being like, hey, look at this deal. Well, you know, what are you doing for me? And it's kind of shocking how similar their careers have been. They both had a year where they were injured for a large part of it. Cooper Cup tore his ACL in 2018. He only played eight games. We know Debo Samuel had his year in 2020 when he was all sorts of banged up. But before this crazy breakout year from Cooper Cup, he only had one other thousand yard season in his career. It's not like he was doing this year after year after year. Now, Debo didn't have any before this crazy year that he put up. but I. All I'm saying is I don't feel like Cooper Cup's resume is so far crazy above Debo Samuel that paying him in a similar ballpark is totally out of the question. Well, similar ballpark is where we're at. I mean, I would argue A.J. Brown just got paid in a similar ballpark to what Cooper Cup got. A.J. Brown got more years, less guaranteed, but only a couple million less per year. I feel like that's in the ballpark. I I feel like the wide receiver market had so many big contracts this offseason 
that the market is set and there's no arguing. That's why this deal should be getting done for Debo sooner rather than later, because there's no arguing. There's been what four people get between 25 and 28 million now. So you, you can't really argue against it. I would say to counter counterpoint you, the Tyreek situation is a little different in my opinion, because Tyreek and Devonte Adams are extremely similar in terms of stature resume arguing for a contract. They are the two established top wide receivers who have been consistently putting up big numbers year in, year out. So they should get paid almost identical. I don't think Debo has an argument to get paid the same as Cooper. So he can't change his tune now. I am sure Debo has already been saying, I need to get paid more than A.J. Brown. I deserve more than A.J. Brown. And he does. He had a better year than A.J. Brown's ever had. So I don't think this changes it because Cooper and A.J. Brown are already close enough and Debo's probably already been arguing for the in-between spot. Adam Schefter had a tweet about 45 minutes ago. Wide receivers given new deals this offseason because you just mentioned it. Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, D.J. Moore, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams. Like you were saying, the, the market is slotted there. Like all those new deals, it's going to be pretty easy to see where Debo fits. But yet, I would have said that even before Cooper Cup signed, and we still don't have a deal with Debo Samuel. Do you think that this is because of Jimmy Garoppolo still eating up $25, 26000000 million on the books? I do feel like that is part of it. I don't think they can do the deal. I don't think it's realistic to think Debo is going to have a lower cap hit. Yes, it's possible if they structure it just right, but that's not exactly the best structuring of the contract for either side. So I don't see them doing that. Debo's cap hit will probably go up slightly, which means they have to wait on Jimmy to get moved. So I do think that that's holding things up a little bit. And I would even say that Debo showing up to this uh, off-season workouts is a little bit of an indicator that maybe they are extremely close. He just can't sign it yet, and he's not going to practice and risk an injury until that dotted line is signed and it's set in stone. Because if he went out and practiced right now and tore his ACL, you think the Niners are going to go, sure, we'll still pay you <laughs> $25 million a year? No, yeah. probably not. Probably so, not. Definitely not. Well, yeah. So it's a situation of I'm not practicing until that contract's in hand, but he can't sign it until Jimmy has moved. That was literally going to be my next question. Do you think that they have basically worked this thing out, which is part of the reason why Debo has shown up? Because uh, Mayoko even had a tweet today, basically, I think it was Mayoko, saying, like, everything looks totally normal. Like, it always looks with Debo Samuel. Like, he seems happy with everybody. He's joking around. He's clearly present. You know, he's not just like, well, I'm in the building, so I don't get fined, but I'm not doing anything. Like, he's cheering for teammates, all that stuff. That maybe leads you to believe that if it's not done, it's really, really close to done. And so maybe that led to a little bit of a, a thawing between the two sides. I would say the two sides have thawed, and they are very close. It is not agreed on because if it was, there's an easy way to kind of give both sides a little bit of a breather. I don't think it would mean Debo would practice because it's still a risk there, but they would leak it to the press. They would say, oh, the 49ers and Debo are closing in on a and give the exact contract details. We've seen that plenty of times in the past. The fact that there haven't been any contract details tells me it's not quite locked in. 
but they are so close that Debo, he definitely changed his tune about two weeks ago. I feel like he started interacting a little bit more. He started showing up, coming into town a little bit more. Uh, I feel like his tone kind of changed a little bit on the little on the social media posts he has made. Uh, so I do think that they got close. There was probably a concession. The fi- 49ers finally kind of budged. I'm guessing the 49ers have had the same offer sitting there for quite some time. It pissed him off. And they finally budged and came up to a number that's close to what Debo wants. But Debo's still countering, as he should. I hate to admit this. That's a good point. I'm only going to say it once. <laughs> no, you'll probably say it in another show or two, because that's about our rate here every couple episodes. Yeah, every couple episodes you have one good thought. That's pretty much where we're at. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's probably higher than my ratio, to be honest with you. Um, All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some things that Nick Bosa said both about himself and about a teammate, one of which has me super excited. Plus, Trent Williams is throwing out compliments like it's his job. We'll get into all of that when we come back. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, let's get into some of what Nick Bosa said yesterday. I forgot how much I enjoy Nick Bosa press conferences. He is such a weird dude with like a weird manner of speaking he's so laid back when he's behind the podium but when he's on the field he's all go a thousand percent he's probably the most different off the field versus on the field he is somebody that you can tell he grew up in it he knows how to conduct himself in an interview and thus he is perfectly relaxed he's not going in there worrying about "Ooh, i might say the wrong thing or going in there going screw these guys they are out to get me. You know, he doesn't, doesn't necessarily have that chip on his shoulder that so many of the players in the NFL have to have because of the way they had to prove themselves every step of the way. Boza didn't really have to do that. Not in the same way because he's NFL royalty, you know, his brother, his dad, you know, he comes from that, that line of a family where pretty much from the time he put on pads in peewee football, he has been thought of as the next great, player in the NFL so I think he's able to be more relaxed he's not out there to defend it but you know he doesn't have this mentality of this could disappear at any time I'm just getting here I need to protect it and screw these guys who are just out here asking me questions trying to get me to slip up just doesn't have that it doesn't need to he was asked about his contract situation because Kyle Shanahan said earlier in the week that they haven't even begun discussions on an extension so he was asked about that just listen to his response Kyle said team and your representatives haven't started discussing a contract extension. Do you have a, a sense of when, when that might take place? I do not know. Are you interested in, in when that might take place? Um, I'm sure I'll be notified. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been focusing on getting better. Worry about, let my agent worry about that. I love that. Like, he's not concerned at all. He knows he's going to get the bag, which obviously I think is a huge part of this. Like, he knows he's going to get close to what Aaron Donald got. He's going to get $30 million a year. And he's just not concerned. He's, he's, he's cool with it. I just love that response from him. Remember when I said months ago that I wasn't 100% sure Boza gets his extension this year and might push it into the next offseason because he has the fifth-year option, unlike Debo. I think that's what's happening here. The team doesn't want to do the extension right now because it's just going to raise his cost. And they would rather 
push it down the road until next offseason when, yes, his contract value might go up because if he has the same season that he had last year, you know, every year the market goes up, the salary cap goes up, so he'll get to reset the market. But I feel like that's better for the 49ers. Get that contract later, you know, four or five years is for is another year down the road now, if you know what I mean. Like they get another year of Boza while also keeping him affordable both this year and next year. So I, I think we're not looking at a Boza extension this offseason. If they haven't even gotten to the point of negotiating, I don't see it coming together in a matter of a couple of weeks to a month before training camp starts. I, just, I can't see it coming that quickly. So I think Bosa is also wanting to wait. Oh, it's why, why wouldn't he? Wait. His family is incredibly wealthy. He's already he's the number two overall pick. He's already made all the money that he would need. You know, he could survive on the money he's already made in the NFL. So why wouldn't he want to bet on himself and be able to get maybe 32, 33, 34, maybe even 35 million a year by waiting one more year? Yeah, if he wins defensive player of the year, which he very well could, he could have 20 sacks this year. Like, I know that's a lot of sacks. I totally understand. He's that good. That's the difference. So the the waiting for him, as long as he's, you know, making enough money in the meantime to make the risk worth it, like, I totally understand why he would want to wait. Uh, I also think that if they, let's say the Niners give Debo a five-year deal, do they want to also sign Bosa to a five-year deal this year as well? Like, you'd like to stagger it so you don't have, multiple superstar superstar players coming up for contracts in the same year yeah that's possible uh that was a good point you could say it it is a good point there we I, go i don't know how much say so that one the niners are going to have uh because bosa is pretty much going to be able to make his demands and if bosa wants four years so that he hits free agency again earlier and can try to double dip on the massive crazy deals so if I'm not mistaken, if he plays this year and then gets a four-year extension, he would be, what, 30 when he's a free agent again? So that would put him young enough to get another massive deal. That's a good point. Damn, that's twice in one show. Yeah, Bosa is, uh, he is, why can I not find, oh, he's 24. Yeah. Yeah, so he'd be 25, add four years. He's, tw- he's He would still be in his 20s, which means there's no limit to how much money he could be given. He could get another four-year deal at the top of the market if he's 29 and he's had, you know, he's already pushing 100 sacks in his career. You know, if he's having 15 a year, then yeah, he would be right in line. Whereas if he gets that fifth year, he's in his 30s. He might not have a suitor at the top of the market. If he stays healthy, he's a Hall of Fame player. I think that's pretty obvious to everybody. Uh, and so yeah, he's going to get the bag and he's going to deserve every single penny. He didn't just talk about himself, however, when he was on the podium. He also was asked about Drake Jackson, and this I thought was fascinating. He gave a ton of praise to Jackson, and he said he does things out there that I couldn't do my rookie year. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's not nothing. You know, this is Nick Bosa, had an incredible rookie year, defensive rookie of the year. And, you know, he doesn't just he's not one of those guys like George Kittle's a hype man. George Kittle pumps everybody up. Bosa doesn't do that. I feel like if Bosa didn't want to say anything nice about Drake Jackson, he probably would have been like, yep, he's a good kid. It's only been two days of practice. So, you know, but he looks good out there. But that's a pretty specific compliment that Bosa gave him. So I put a little more stock in that than I would if somebody else had said it. 
Uh, I, I take it as two things. One, Boza's at the stage where he's going to have to start stepping up in the leadership role. He has to start doing a little more things and in the public eye in press conferences, praising guys, lifting guys up. If he, I mean, those are the guys you pay. You, you can't be a crappy leader and expect to get crazy money. Uh, you can't be a bad guy in the locker room, you know. And it's also a, a guy that was just the 49ers first overall pick in this draft. And the first guy that Boza has kind of a mentoring. He's younger than him. You know, it's a guy that's coming in expected to be on the opposite side and elevate Bosa's game by taking attention away from him from the by the offensive lines. So I feel like you're kind of seeing a little bit of one Bosa's in the mentoring role for the first time, as well as Bosa needs to step up and be one of the leaders on the defense now. I don't know if he's going to step it up. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I mean, they do have Fred. They have Eric Armstead. They have Jimmy Ward. I don't know if Bo, maybe Bosa is just going to kind of do his thing. I, I think I kind of disagree with you there. It, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, Tim Duncan was not super vocal, but he was a leader. So I think Bosa can fit in that. And that's kind of what Joey Bosa is like. Joey Bosa, he speaks up from time to time. Uh, it's I'm normally not when Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's kind of a quiet leader, like on the field. There is no doubt he is their leader on the field, along with Derwin uh, James defensively. So I think Boza can fit that mold. He doesn't have to do a ton of speaking up. He's not going to probably do a ton of press conferences, let's be honest. He hasn't so far, so why is he going to start doing them now? Um, but I do think he's going to be more, like I said, mentoring Jackson, and he, he needs to be. That's what you want. Just because a guy is great doesn't mean you don't want him trying to rub that greatness off on the new guys coming in. You want him to share everything he knows. The interesting thing about Bosa is that everybody says what makes him really good is his hand technique, his hand placement, the way he uses it was his, his quads. Hand. Well, his quads are <laughs> ridiculous. I don't think it was an accident, by the way, that he wore the football pants on the media, the practice that was open to media where you could see his gigantic quads. Um, no, but like the stuff that makes him great, all that stuff, I feel like is stuff that he can teach to Drake Jackson, which is awesome because clearly there's no better mentor for that kind of a thing for Drake than than Bosa. And hopefully they're doing that. You know, I'm I'm on board the mentorship train. Like I was so pumped earlier this week when Trey Lance talked about Steve Young and how they have a relationship. They have each other's cell phone. You know, I've been talking about that. I was like giddy in my chair, bouncing up and down when I heard Trey Lance talk about that. I hope Trey Lance and Steve Young talk every single day about practice, about developing as a quarterback, all of that stuff. So I like I'm I'm on the mentorship train this offseason. Who called that? Who sat on here about oh what two three weeks ago, saying that I would guarantee Steve Young has talked to Trey Lance, and I hope he's a full-on mentor to him because he's obviously the mold you want. Highly accurate quarterback who can run. That is Steve Young is the number one quarterback of that mold. You must have been on somebody else's show. I don't remember all these pearls of wisdom for you that you keep referring to. <laughs> I definitely talked. It might have been, was it last, just last week? I don't know if it was last week or the week before I left for vacation and you got two weeks without me 
God, that was nice. But yeah, I mentioned how I would guarantee Steve Young has talked to him. We just haven't heard about it. I thought it was hilarious that this whole thing came up because John Lynch was at the Dwight Clark Legacy Series and says, yeah, they've been talking. They don't want it out there on social media, but they've been talking. It's like, John, what do you think you're doing here? You're saying this publicly at an event with cameras. But whatever, I'm glad I know about it. Can I just say, if I ever see John Lynch out and about randomly, I'm going to bring him a drink because (laughs) it seems like if he gets a drink in him, there is no filter. There is no holding back. I think there's very little filter without the drink in them, to be honest. Here, John, John, drink this, please. That's why we got to go to the combine, man. I keep telling you, because they all have a drink in their hand. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so that was that from both. So I loved hearing both of those things. Uh, we talked about Lance a little, so let's get into that. I think it is hilarious that before these practices, all we heard was, I don't know about Trey Lance. His arm fitness might not be good. Well, I don't, maybe they're keeping Jimmy. I don't know. Is Trey Lance ready? He might not be ready. Then we get into practice, and all anybody is saying about him is overwhelmingly positive comments. Leadership, his arm strength, his accuracy. D'Amico Ryans was talking about how he's putting the ball wherever he wants it. Peter Schrager goes on Good Morning Football and says, Oh, from all my sources, Trey Lance looks like it took a huge step forward. It's just so funny how the script has magically flipped because the 49ers have had a couple of practices. Remember how I said uh, you shut up, get into this dull part of the offseason and you got to create something. Do you have anything new for today's show? Are you just going to tell us old stuff? Yeah, that's from earlier in this show. (laughs) That's exactly what all that Trey Lance stuff was. If you come out saying, oh, Trey Lance doesn't have enough zip on his passes he doesn't have the good enough arm or he's not looking good or the jimmy might stick around to be a starter because the team isn't confident in him every single niner fan is clicking on that and you're going to draw some people from other fan bases clicking out of curiosity none of those had any substance it was all just uh well, that's what i'm hearing from anonymous sources even though you know he, rich gangarello <laughs> yeah uh and then On the flip side, if you say, oh, Trey Lance, Niners think he's the real deal. Most of us are going to see that headline go, yep, and not click it because it's exactly what we already think. And people from other fan bases aren't going to click it because they don't want to read about it. If you're a Seahawks fan, you don't want to click and read about how great Trey Lance is. So that's why it was all negative. Now that there's actually some substance to go off of, because, you know, before there wasn't any team practices. Now there are. So now people are actually seeing him and the people who are seeing him are singing his praises. Notice who hasn't been talking. All the people who were saying negative things were national media who never saw him. Now it's all the people who actually have their feet on the ground watching him make the throws in practice that are saying he looks great. Were you at all, what was your reaction, I'll say, to Lance's comments earlier this week about how He's not really looking to over th- overhaul his throwing motion. He's cleaning some stuff up because he had to change his grip last year because of the broken finger. But for the most part, his basic response was, I'm not worried about my throwing motion. I'm playing on time, and I don't really care if I throw a spiral all the time either. Uh, duh. It's very hard to change your throwing motion at this stage. Maybe in high school you can really change it. It's very difficult to change it this late in the game. And the throwing motion that he has is how he became the number three overall pick. 
So you risk destroying all that by messing with his mechanics. It's no different than a pitcher. A pitcher can make small tweaks to their throwing motion. If you try to completely overhaul their throwing motion and change them from like a three quarters to a more overhand or to a sidearm or whatever, you're going to wreck them. And it's going to take them years to get their control back. And that, that would be the problem. If you're doing something that isn't just muscle memory, isn't doesn't feel necessarily natural to you, you're having to act, actively think to get the throwing mechanics, then one, you're going to be a step slower because you're having to think about your actual throwing motion rather than just reacting. And two, you're going to have your accuracy be inconsistent because sometimes you're overthinking it. So it's just not a good thing. You can make very small tweaks, and I think he has. You can't overhaul throwing motion. I think largely he looks the same to me. Kyle Shanahan said he looks the same. Um, but other guys have talked about how they think it's a little different. So who the hell knows? Um, I think that my what troubled me about his throwing motion was that it was long. He he starts with the ball in a good spot. Then he kind of lifts it up to his chest and points the ball like away from his chest. And then he starts the throwing motion, which means the ball goes back down and then comes up and around where I, I think his hands are fast enough that his time to throw isn't that bad. But I think when the pocket gets muddy, I think he can get the ball stripped a few times. So that was my only concern with him. We'll see if it, if it manifests itself, but that's where I worry. It's not like, Oh, he's going to be late with the ball because one, he's got quick hands and he has a rocket for an arm. But I think that when the, when it gets cloudy and muddy around him, he may fumble some sometimes. You know, what was my favorite thing reading? today about Trey Lance favorite thing tweeted out no I don't what was it it was and forgive me because I forget who posted it It was one of the athletic guys um but he said that the out route that was the first read was covered couldn't go there and he pivoted and threw a go route for a touchdown that is the exact throw that we all want from him and are hoping for that Jimmy Garoppolo never ever could do jimmy garoppolo never looked at an out route and then pivoted to the go route when it wasn't there because if he was pivoting to the go route late he didn't have the arm to get it there and he didn't trust himself to get it there he was doing one of two things if that out route was taken he was either holding it so long that he got sacked or he was forcing it and risking an interception so that was super encouraging to me it shows what we're all hoping for that even if Trey Lance isn't as consistent as Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have the accuracy that Jimmy does have pretty good accuracy. I mean, he's been completing 67, 68% of his passes. It's that when things don't work out, when Kyle Shanahan's scheming isn't perfect and it's just not there, he can pivot from that and turn what is a broken play into an amazing long gain first down or touchdown. And we're or seeing pass that interference. In or, or yes, the Jimmy Wentz, or not Jimmy Wentz, the Carson <laughs> Wentz special. Boy, that would be one <laughs> shitty quarterback if you combine those two players. Yeah, Carson Wentz uh, mentally with Jimmy's arm. Ooh, that, yeah, that's the worst of both worlds. But you're right, that in a nutshell is the difference. It's that when the out route is covered, first of all, 
the out route's a legitimate threat with Trey Lance because he can throw it through a keyhole. But also, the go route is still on the table. It's still an option. Even if Trey doesn't necessarily throw it there, that safety still has to honor that because it's possible for him to launch it 65 yards in the air. Whereas with Jimmy Garoppolo, that safety knows that once that receiver gets to a certain point, it's just not possible. Even if Jimmy throws it, the he's going to have time to adjust and make a play on the ball. So that is it in a nutshell. Hopefully we get the Trey Lance that we're all expecting. The more reports I hear, I'm just so excited. I wish like even preseason, I wish like, let's just go this Sunday. Can we please? Like I cannot take the waiting. <laughs> I wish there was film. That's what I wish. I wish we could see it. Yep. Even that would hold me over. Yes. Uh, but no, it, so far, everything that's coming out, and granted, it's only a few practices, and you shouldn't be setting anything in stone based on what you're seeing in OTAs. But it is very encouraging, and it's confirming to me every single thing I hoped for at this point. Doesn't mean it's going to necessarily happen when the games start counting, but he is doing the things I hoped for. You know, he can complete only 60% of his passes if he has one or two plays a game that went from would have been sack with Jimmy to a 20-plus yard game. That's what we're all hoping for, clearly, is just options. Just options where everything doesn't have to always go perfectly on every play. So we will see. I'll be very interested to see how those joint practices with the Vikings go, what the Vikings players are saying about Trey, what the coaches are saying about Trey. Uh, we saw it last year when the Niners had joint practices with the Chargers. They were mocking Jimmy Garoppolo in practice. And Kyle Posey was there. He heard the jeers from the Chargers. So I'll be interested to see what, what the Vikings are saying. Because it's one thing for Trey's teammates to, to you know throw bouquets at him and talk, talk him up. I get that. I get why you could be skeptical about that. But the Vikings don't. They don't have any dog in the fight. They don't, I don't even think, do the Niners even play Minnesota this year? I don't think they do. So it's like, they have nothing to lose. They'll be more honest, I would think, than 49ers players would be. So I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I bet you somebody, at least one Viking is going to say something about Trey Lance. It might be good, might be bad, but they're going to make a comment on it. Let's all just cross our fingers that it's uh, the Vikings are praising Trey and the Niners are mocking Kirk. <laughs> I don't know if Kyle will allow that. I don't know if there's any Kirk Cousins slander allowed in the Kyle Shanahan camp. I mean, he can't control what they say to the media, but you know, that that is something that's quite possible. This 49ers defense is an animal. So you could see uh things happening where oh, Kirk is getting eaten up. That's Niners defense is great. Meanwhile, Vikings defensive players are going, "Dude, Trey is unfair. We had him and then the next thing I know, ball's gone and it's 30 yards down the field." Oh man, just give me something. Now you you wet my appetite. Give me some film. Where's Javi Vega? We need more practice video. We got to get him on that. <laughs> um, last thing before we go, I so we've spent a lot of time talking about Trey and the good reports and how I'm excited about that. And I, and some people are going to say, well, Rob, aren't you always the guy that tells us not to buy into the training camp hero storylines? And that's true. The difference is. Training camp hero storyline is usually about a player that is underachieved in some way, that has been kind of a career underachiever, and all of a sudden they come in, best shape of their life, they look awesome. Just like, what's his name? Trent uh, Taylor. Sherfield. Well, and Sherfield last year, and Trent Taylor before that. Apparently, if you're named Trent, you get, you get love. 
all we heard, right? Oh, they're so good. They look amazing. Bah, bah, bah. And what happens? They get into the regular season, and they're the same old player that they've always been. That's not Trey Lance. Trey Lance was the third overall pick. This is not a career underachiever, so there's a difference there. But I did notice a comment from Trent Williams praising Aaron Banks, saying that he's transformed his body. He looks so mentally tough. He looks like his footwork is 10 times better. And he said he thinks that Aaron Banks is going to make a giant leap. Trent has been pretty honest in the past, Levin. He said immediately last year, Nick Bosa is better. Nick Bosa is better than his rookie year. He said it after he faced him the first time. And he also called Trey Lance a generational talent when he saw him last year. What do you make of the Trent Williams, Aaron Banks comments? Are you a believer now? Uh, I think Joe Staley is unretired and somehow just looks remarkably like Trent Williams. Because <laughs> that's what it's reminding me of. Uh, Joe Staley was uh, a hype man. And it, it certainly seems like this year, Trent Williams has picked up that mantle full on. He is hyping up, becoming a true leader of that offensive line. And maybe it's that Alex Mack is not around, so there's not this super experienced uh, many-time Pro Bowler center, which is normally your leader on an offensive line, there. So Trent is trying to fill that void by stepping up and trying to get the offensive line ready to go. Because if that offensive line uh, can hold together and be even as good as last year, this offense is going to hit levels we I don't think we've seen. And I do mean we haven't seen. Like I think it's going to be pushing the early 90s. The NFL has changed. It's higher scoring. So don't get me wrong saying, oh, I would take this offense over the 94 offense or anything like that. But scoring is up. So I do think that this team, if that offensive line holds together, could end up being the highest scoring 49ers team. My take on Banks since last year ended has always been this, and it's not going to change no matter what Trent Williams or anybody else says. He couldn't even dress last year for a lot of the games. Not couldn't start. He couldn't dress. So to me, that's like a young prospect in baseball that comes up and hits below 200. Maybe they have the talent to do more in year two. That's entirely possible. But until I see it, I ain't going to believe it because there's a level of per, a minimum level of performance to me that you have to reach in my eyes to where I'll say, okay, at least he's shown some flashes. I can believe that if he puts it together, it becomes more consistent. He can be a contributor, but when you can't even show flashes because you can't get on the field, you can't even put a uniform on. That is a huge, huge red flag to me. So I'm not saying Aaron Banks can't do it. I'm saying I will believe absolutely nothing until I see this guy pancaking people in a regular season game that counts, not even a preseason game. I am still skeptical myself. I mean, I have my doubts. I think what we're hearing so far this offseason, not just from Trent, but there's been other little reports that come out, is encouraging. But I fall in line with you where if you couldn't even see the field last year when there were injuries and uh, other offensive line issues, I'm not going to be sitting here penciling you in as the full-time starter for 17 games. No, you're going to have to earn it. I hope he does. Well, I want him to succeed. Huh? He's a second-round yeah. draft pick. He better. I mean, we're, we're not former Jets scouts here who just want to hate, hate on 49ers players. I, I, I hope he succeeds. I hope he, you know, 
puts words in our, you know, pushes the words right back in our mouth from because we've been heavily critical of him going back to last year. Both both of us have said said, and we we both went into the offseason saying there's no way Aaron Banks is going to be the great starter. He's going to fulfill that second round pick this year. Now, yeah, I, I think both of us have changed our tune a tiny bit. We're both still very skeptical. But I think we've gone from there's no no effing way to, I guess, maybe. No effing way. Now we're at no way. That's the <laughs> dip. We, we've taken the swear out. That's where we are right now. Look, again, I hope I hope he proves me wrong. I really, really do. By the way, that's, that former Jet Scout that you mentioned, whose name I will not utter on the show, hits me up. Whenever I tweet anything about Trey Lance, totally. he always hits me up with a comment. Like, dude, it's unhealthy, man. It is unhealthy. Some people's fixation with him being bad. And can I just say too, the other take that I'm just so tired of is people saying that national analysts are ripping Trey Lance because they're mad that they, because they predicted the 49ers were going to take Mac Jones and then it ended up being Trey Lance. And so that's why they're ripping Trey. That is the weirdest thing to me. That's not how analysts work. That's not how analysts think. Okay. They're wrong about a ton of stuff all the time. I don't know why this particular thing would spark this outrage that people think that they have. I guarantee you analysts are not banging on Trey Lance because they're mad that he was the pick instead of Mac Jones. They might be banging on Trey because they don't think he's good, but it doesn't have anything to do with their prediction being incorrect. I mean, has anybody ever looked at a mock draft from even right. the great, you know, experts, true experts? They miss like 80% of the picks. <laughs> so if you're going to hold this grudge against somebody because they weren't the pick you thought they were going to be all you would be doing is ragging on every single person but maybe a few in the nfl i don't understand it it just seems weird to me but hopefully we're past it now like i know sean mcveigh just recently said oh we we were worried that they were going to take kyle pitts at three you're an idiot sean you're an idiot if you thought that kyle shinian was going to give up three first round picks to draft at the tight end when you already have george kiddo under contract like sorry sean that's dumb <laughs> Uh, that that's Sean McVay for you. He, he has some really boneheaded, weird quotes sometimes. Don't worry. He ain't going to be in LA too much longer. I'm telling you, especially given the money that Brady just got for broadcasting. He's already said he's not interested, has no desire to chase the all-time head coaching wins record, which by the way, he has a legitimate shot at because he's got like 55 career wins and he's 36 years old, which is absurd. But he, I don't think he's long for this game. I think he's a burnout guy. Uh, he does not strike me as a lifer. He just got married now. Maybe they could be starting a family in a few years. That changes your whole perspective on things. I'm telling you, I don't think we're looking at like 25 years of Sean McVay as the coach of the Rams. I would be, I bet you he coaches less than five more years. Uh, I, I would, I would uh, not take that bet. Because I think you're right. Um, no, I don't blame him whatsoever. If I got a job, even if I absolutely loved it, you know, if I got a job announcing NFL games, which was my dream job all growing up, went to college for it, all, all of that. If I got my dream job announcing games and Amazon paid me $15 million a year like they offered John Lynch, yep, I'm probably doing it for like five maybe stretching it to 10 years and then you're never going to hear from me again. I'm going to be living in Monaco, 
flying around Europe, coming back to the U.S. whenever I want to visit family. Like, you know, you're not going to see me out and about talking to the media, doing games anymore. Like, you give me $100 million, I'm not buying a business. I'm not working anymore. (laughs) like i will not have a job if i have a hundred million dollars it's like sean do you want to work a 60 hour week and sleep in your office and have super high stress on all week long especially on sundays or do you want to travel way less make basically the same money if not more and have zero stress which would you like and by the way when the season's over you don't have to do anything you don't have to do anything there's no scouting there's no free agency there's nothing so from, you know, the end of middle of February, whatever, until September, August, September, you're good. You can do whatever you want with all those millions. I mean, the choice is pretty obvious. I mean, you give me a hundred million dollars and uh, yeah, you're not talking to me anymore, Rob. <laughs> is that all it takes? Cause I'll get a collection started. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, even <laughs> if it doesn't reach a hundred million, I'll take whatever you can get. But no, like I, I might be a guest every once in a while when I'm feeling especially bored. But no, you give me a hundred million dollars, like I'm not answering to anybody anymore. Well, what the Broncos just sell for? Four point six five billion. Yeah, which by the way, my favorite part of that was uh God, I can't remember who tweeted that either. It was one of the national guys, and they were pointing out how laughably bad Forbes estimations are, and nobody should put any stock into Forbes estimations of how much companies are worth anymore. They estimated the Broncos worth $2.3 billion, and they just sold for $4.65. That's how far off they were. Less than half. I'm just going to point out, I, I find it really curious that you have been able to pull up these nuggets of wisdom that you have said like two weeks ago with perfect clarity, yet when it comes to giving <laughs> anybody else credit for anything you've seen on Twitter lately, all of a sudden you can't remember. You can't recall. It has slipped your mind. I just find that interesting. That's all I'm saying. I read Twitter all day long. I read the tweets. Mm-hmm. I don't normally look at who tweeted it unless it's an opinion or something groundbreaking. You know, like if it's a breaking contract, I'm going to look to see if it's somebody I think is credible. If it's just a factoid, I'm not. I don't normally look over to, to the name very often, and I'm certainly not taking the time to memorize it because I'd have to memorize like 3,000 tweets a freaking day. I'm on Twitter all the time reading, whereas I can remember damn well what I said because I'm numero uno in my <laughs> world. <laughs> There's nobody more important, and I care very greatly what I say. That's becoming clear to me. You know, there's a little button next to the tweet called bookmark. You can bookmark the tweet and save it later. So you don't have to remember who it was from. Just remember that you've saved it. And then you could double check before I press record. That is way too much effort. Uh And I don't always know what factoids I'm going to be bringing up. Yeah, neither do I. That's why you save them all. And then when as the conversation flows, you say, oh, I have a tweet about this. And then you pick up your phone you, so you just can't be bothered. You can't be bothered to give credit. Uh, so I am now learning why sometimes I stop speaking and you go, oh, sorry, I thought you had more there. It's because you're trying to pull up tweets that you bookmarked while I'm talking. That and because you're just perpetually <laughs> disappointing. I mean, it's one of those two things. That's for sure. 
in case you're wondering, Rob is going to have to edit out a part of this podcast that we're recording because I stopped speaking after making my point and there was silence for like three seconds and he goes, oh, I thought there was more. Apparently, I'm going to have to edit out two parts. <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, we thank you so much for the support. We asked you for your ratings and reviews to get us over 200. We have now surpassed 200. We're going for 250. Come on, please, please, please keep them coming. We really do appreciate it. If you leave it, we will read it. Levin, I'm going to be on vacation a week from today. It's the first day of my vacation. So you and I are not going to have a show on Thursday. I'm actually, I did an interview with Evan Roberts of WFAN in New York because I had a question I wanted to ask him about Trey Lance compared to Zach Wilson. So I went to the source. I went to a New York host and a huge Jet fan to get the answer to that question. So you, what are you going to leave me with as I'm not going to talk to you for two weeks? That you should have pushed your vacation one day, you <laughs> no, I think I timed it <laughs> perfectly. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you in two weeks.